up this story this morning uh, when Joseph, out of Genesis 37, Joseph is 17 years old. He is one of 12 sons uh, born to Jacob. Uh, he is, uh, and he is the favorite son. This is an incredibly dysfunctional family, okay? I mean, uh, they have 12 boys. Joseph is the favorite. And all the other brothers know that Joseph is the favorite, and they hate him for it. So you've got this dysfunction, this challenge, this anger going on in this, in, in this home. And, and Joseph seems to be uh, a little oblivious to all the stuff that's going on. Uh, his dad, to make things worse, his dad has a coat made. It's called a coat of many colors. It's a cloak, and, and it was uh, made out of uh, lots of different dyes and different colors. And, and in those days, you know, years, thousands of years ago, that's, that process was so expensive and so time-consuming that it was an incredible extravagance to make a garment like that. It was a garment that went down his wrists all the way down to his ankles. It was very, very expensive. Uh, and, and like I said, it was an extravagance. And so it's just throwing into the face of his brothers that he is his dad's favorite, that he's a special child. And Joseph's clueless. So Joseph tells his brothers that he's had a dream. And, and in this dream, they're in a field and, and there are 12 stocks of grain and one stock of grain shoots up strong and straight and the other 11 stocks of grain bow to the one and they pick up right away that they're you know he's talking about them and so they're more angry you mean we're going to bow to you and and joseph then has another dream and the same kind of thing happens this time it's in the constellations and he says and you all bow to me and this time he tells his father about the dream and his father gets angry and who do you think you are? You think we're all, gonna, we're all gonna bow down to you? And so Joseph's brothers hate him even more. And this dynamic is, a dynamic is going on in this family. Uh, there's such dysfunction, there's such anger, there's such hate. Can you imagine, I don't know if you've ever seen a family where there's one child in the family that's clearly the favorite and everything re revolves around that child and how hurtful and painful that can be and what a mess that can create. And, and that's what's going on in Joseph's life and in his house, in the house of his father, Jacob. And that's where we find them. Well, the story continues because his brothers are out with the, in, the, uh, in the field one day with their herd of sheep and goats. And the father, Jacob, sends Joseph out to see his brothers, out to check on his brothers. And they see him coming from a distance, and here's what they say. In Genesis 37, verses 19 to 20, it says this, And they said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we'll see what will become of his dreams. Yeah, now see what he says. How are those dreams gonna come true if you're dead? If you're not around, now what's gonna happen? We'll show you, we'll fix this. We'll change everything. And so they have this idea, but one of the brothers, Reuben, stands up and he says, we can't do this. Imagine what this would do to our father. Imagine what the consequences of this. We can't kill him. So they capture him, they grab him, and they throw him into a pit. And they're trying to decide what to do with him, and suddenly this caravan starts coming uh, their way, a caravan of Midianites who were nomadic uh, travelers from Arabia, and they were famous for, for their caravans and being merchants, and so they're passing by, and his brothers have a great idea. Instead of killing him, instead of just leaving him in this pit, let's sell him. And so they sold their brother into slavery to the Midianites. 
And they took his cloak of many colors, his coat of many colors, and they, they killed a ram, and they put the blood on the cloak, and they took it back to their dad, Jacob, and they said, oh, a fierce animal got Joseph. We're so sorry. There was nothing we could do. He's dead. This is all we have. This is all that's left of your son. And Jacob weeps over his lost son. He's heartbroken. And the brothers try to pick up with their lives again, knowing that Joseph has been sold into slavery. In Genesis 37, 23, it says, when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. They threw him in the pit, and he became a slave. So here, picture this scene. Here is Joseph. He's the favored son. Everything revolves around him. He's his father's favorite. He's given this coat of many colors. It's extravagant. I mean, the world revolves around Joseph. Now he finds himself in a pit. He finds himself betrayed by his own brothers. And now he's being sold into slavery. So he is going from being the favorite son to a slave. He's going to the worst possible existence that he can imagine. Nothing in his upbringing, nothing in his life has prepared him for this moment to go from being the favored son to a slave. And he finds himself being sold by the Midianites to an Egyptian named Potiphar. In uh, chapter 39, or chapter 37, verse 36, it says, Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. Then we move on to Genesis 39. It says this, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, and an Egyptian had brought him from the Ishmaelites uh, who had brought him down there. Ishmaelites and Midianites are kind of the same. Ishmaelites is just a bigger, uh, broader word, but it describes the same people. Uh, they sold him into slavery, and this, this uh, leader, this captain of the guard named Potiphar, bought him. And so here we have Joseph. He's gone from being the favorite son to a slave. He belongs to Potiphar, the Egyptian. But here's what happens. It says in verse 2 of chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in uh, the house of his Egyptian master and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he made him overseer in the house and all over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field, so he left it all in Joseph's charge. Because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. And so here is Joseph. He goes from the favored son to thrown into the pit to being sold as a slave. He goes to work for Potiphar, but what the verse tells us is that God is still with him, that God is with Joseph, and God begins to bless. And one of the interesting things about the passage I just read is that God blesses Potiphar and everything that Potiphar has because Joseph is there, that everything around Joseph, not just Joseph, but everybody around him and everything around him was blessed because God was with Joseph. And it got to such an extent that he ran everything in Potiphar's life, so all Potiphar had to worry about was what he was going to eat for his next meal. And it's pretty amazing if you look at this story and you think about the progression that we go from favored son to, to slave, and now we've risen already. Joseph has risen to being the head of Potiphar's whole household. 
and he has found favor. And the reason he's found favor is because he realizes that God is with him. God hasn't forgotten him. God hasn't forsaken him. But God is still with him. Great ending to the story, isn't it? Awesome. Way to go, Joseph. Way to go, God. Not yet. The second part of verse 6, Genesis 39, says this. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And Potiphar's wife saw him. And, and now we enter into something that's like an episode out of Real Wives of Egypt. <laughs> Mrs. Potiphar, whatever her name is, sees Joseph and tries to seduce him, tries to get him to lie with her. And we've gone this whole journey. We've gone from favored son to in the pit to slavery that we've risen again now to be the head of Potiphar's house and now we're confronted. He's confronted with this challenge. He's confronted with this problem. And it's really interesting how we, if we watch Joseph, if we watch how he's just this clueless, self-centered kid who finds himself sold into slavery, realizes that God is with him. And his response to Potiphar's wife is really interesting because here's what he says in verse 8, but he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not... He, he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you were his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph saying, you know what? This isn't about you. It's not about Potiphar. It's not about me, but this is about God. This is about my relationship with God. This is about me being faithful to God that you think this is just between you and me, but this is really between me and God. And my response, it gets, demonstrates his value in my life. It demonstrates what I've learned through all the circumstances in my life, everything that, uh, that I've gone through. And so he gives her this proclamation and then Potiphar's wife, she doesn't take it so well and when her husband comes home, she tells him, in fact, she tried to go run after Joseph and grabbed his cloak and tore it off him and he runs out of the house. And she has that cloak and she tells her husband that Joseph tried to seduce her, that Joseph tried to lie with her. And Potiphar doesn't take that so well. And the story says that he has Joseph arrested and thrown in prison. You know, the story's sort of brief and it doesn't give us a lot of details, but if you were living in that time, you don't just, you know, you don't just get escorted, hey, I'm thinking you're gonna go to prison now. But he has him arrested and he has him chained and he has him beaten and then he throws him in prison. And so here is Joseph and let's remember the story. He's the favored son, he's sold into slavery. He rises to the head of Potiphar's whole household and for all of that now he finds himself in chains, he finds himself in prison. He thought everything was going to be so good. He thought he'd finally gotten over the hump, that everything was going to be resolved. And now he's right back where he started, but maybe even worse. Now he's gone from being a slave to being in prison. And it would be easy for him to think, why is this happening to me? Look at all I've done. God, you are with me. Now, why do you let these things happen in my life? Genesis 39, 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph 
and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the jailkeeper. Joseph goes to prison, but God is still with him. And God shows Joseph his steadfast love, his love that when it gets a hold of us, never lets go. He says he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he says, I'm gonna show you what that looks like, Joseph. And Joseph is in prison, but God is with him and he finds favor and everything around him starts to prosper again and to be blessed. And the next thing you know, the jailer of the prison, the head of the prison has put Joseph in charge of everything, that he's back in a leadership position. They see, the jailer sees that when Joseph is in charge, everything goes well. So all he worries about is just showing up every day knowing that God is with this man and something is going on. And he's smart enough at least to realize it. And he puts Joseph in charge of the prison and there Joseph is. There Joseph is in prison, but again, God is with him and he's blessed. Well, one day, two men are thrown in prison. One's a baker and one's a cupbearer. Baker, you know what that is. That's a good job, right? He bakes things and it's, you know, I guess it was a good living if you're the baker for Pharaoh and somehow he got uh, out of favor with Pharaoh and, and was thrown into prison. And then the cupbearer, the cupbearer was an awesome job until it wasn't because uh, the cupbearer is the guy that, that, that when they bring the king his wine, uh, the cupbearer is the one that tastes it first to make sure it's okay. And if it's poison, it's not so good uh, for the cupbearer. It's a short career, but... If it is good, you've got this great cush job and you serve the Pharaoh and you're next to him all the time and, and you're considered a close confidant of the Pharaoh. He trusts you so much. He trusts you to taste his food, to taste his wine and, and that was this guy's job. But he fell out of uh, favor with Pharaoh. He got thrown into prison. And so there they are in prison and there's Joseph and one night that both of these men have a dream and they start asking around the prison to see if anybody can interpret this dream and what it meant. And, and somebody pointed him to Joseph, and Joseph said, yeah, I think I can. And, and so the baker came, and, and Joseph sort of said, you know, I've got good news, bad news for you. Uh, the good news, I can interpret the dream. The bad news is in three days, the, the Pharaoh's going to call you out, and then he's going to hang you. Uh, that's the interpretation of your dream. The cupbearer, he said, I sort of have good news, good news for you. The good news is... Pharaoh's going to call you out of prison and then he's going to reinstate you back into your job. And th these things happened just the way Joseph said. And, and as the cupbearer was being released from prison, uh, he came to Joseph to thank him and Joseph said, look, this is all I want you to do is that would you put in a good word for me? Would you speak well of me uh, to Pharaoh? When you get back there, would you say something? Let him know I'm here, that I'm, so I'm not lost forever. And there he was, he was in prison. And so the cupbearer went back into the service of Pharaoh and completely forgot about Joseph. Completely forgot about him. And for two more years, Joseph languished in prison. God was with him, God blessed him, but there he was. I have to assume that he, he was thinking now he's gonna be there the rest of his life. This is what his life is gonna look like. Yeah, God had blessed him and God had blessed everyone around him, but he was still in prison. He had gone from the favored son who had everything, the world revolved around him, to a slave, and now he was spending the rest of his life in prison until one day Pharaoh had a dream, and Pharaoh was troubled by his dream. 
And Pharaoh called all of his magicians and his wise men and sorcerers and all these guys together, everybody, every learned person, important person he could find, called them together and he told them a dream and he said, who can tell me, who can interpret this dream? And nobody could. And at that moment, the cupbearer said, I know a guy and I think he could help us. And Pharaoh calls Joseph from the prison and he asks him, can you interpret this dream? Now this is Joseph. He had two dreams that he told his brothers about. He had the the two dreams that he told the baker and the cupbearer about. And, And now Pharaoh tells him his dream and here's what Joseph says. Joseph answered Pharaoh and says, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph has been through this journey in his life where he's gone from the favored son to the slave to the prisoner, and now he stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, can you interpret this dream? This is a big deal. This is a big moment. And Joseph said, you know what? I can't do anything, but God can. Through God, we can find out what this dream means. And so he interprets the dream for Pharaoh, and, and basically the dream was that, that, that for seven years there was going to be a bumper crop, that their grain was going to grow bigger, everything was going to grow more than it had ever grown before. And, and, and in the dream, they store all this grain, and they're supposed to keep all of this because this, after the seven years, they're going to have a famine, and it's going to be the worst famine they've ever seen, and they're going to depend on the grain that they've stored and they've kept the first seven years to get through the, last seven, the next seven years. And Joseph explains this to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's so impressed by this dream that he elevates Joseph to second in command in all of Egypt. Egypt's the most powerful country in the world at this time, and here is Joseph, and on his journey, now he finds himself as the second in command in Egypt and he is responsible for going throughout their kingdom, for going throughout all of Egypt and making people store their grain and store their food so that the next seven years there's enough for everybody and when the famine comes, people come from all over the world to buy grain from Egypt because they're the ones that have it. They're the ones that have kept it and Joseph oversees all of that. That's his life. That's what he does. That's how God has blessed him. And in the course of events, his brothers run out of food and his father, Jacob. And Jacob tells the boys that there's food in Egypt and I'm gonna send you to Egypt and you're gonna buy food for us and bring it back. And so the sons of Jacob, uh, uh, 10 of the sons of Jacob pack up and they go to Egypt and they go before Joseph to buy food. It's been a lot of years, roughly 22 years since uh, they last saw Joseph. And he's changed a lot. They don't recognize him. But as he looks down, he recognizes his brothers. And the story says that at one point he has to go out of the room and weep and everybody in the palace could hear him cry. These are his long lost brothers. These are the brothers that put him in the pit, that sold him into slavery. And now they've come and they've come in need. 
but Joseph isn't the same person he was back when they threw him in the pit, back when they were so angry, back when he was so clueless. He's a completely different person now, and he looks at his brothers, and his heart goes out to them, but he needs to find out what's changed in their lives. He needs to find out what they're all about, so he gives them the grain, and he puts the money back in the grain, uh, and he says, but I I know this isn't all of your family. I think you're spies. He challenges them. Uh, He Uh, they're afraid. You see, the brothers have lived in fear all of these years because of the evil that they did, that they had this idea that someday God's gonna pay us back. Someday God's gonna punish us. Someday something's really bad is gonna happen in our lives because that's how God punishes us. And so they've lived all of these more than 20 years in fear of retribution and guilt because of what they've done. And they have been living in this fear while Joseph has been going through his journey And now they're in front of Joseph and they don't know what to do. They don't realize it's Joseph. He sends them away, but he says, I want you to send your younger brother. I want you to prove to me you're not spies and send your younger brother back. But they're afraid. They think it's just a trick and that they'll keep Benjamin, the youngest of the 12, and uh, and that they'll lose their son. And one of the brothers says, keep me, but don't take Benjamin because he's my father's youngest. Our father's already lost one son. He can't bear to lose his youngest son. Keep me instead. But Joseph sends them away. They go back. They tell Jacob they're afraid. They think it's a trick. Something bad's gonna happen. And their, their father says, well, let's wait this out. Let's see what happens. And what happens is that they run out of food again and they have to go back to Egypt and now what do they do? Do they face their fear? Do they go back and ask for more food? Do they go back and try to buy more food? That's exactly what happens but this time they take Benjamin with them and they take him to buy the food and Joseph sees his brother he weeps again and he sells them food he invites them in for dinner and they have this feast together And then as they're leaving with their food, he puts the money back in their bags again, but also this time he takes a silver chalice from their meal and he puts it into Benjamin's, has it put into Benjamin's bag. And as they leave, as they leave, he sends his servants to go and to arrest them. Somebody stole something and they bring them all back and now they're terrified. Now they don't, they think, is this some kind of trick? What's happening? What's God doing to us? Are we gonna get punished for what we've done? And all of this time, Joseph is challenging them. All the time, Joseph is testing them. All the time, Joseph is giving them an opportunity to behave differently, to live differently. This time, one of the brothers, they, he, Benjamin's accused of stealing, and the penalty is, it's a capital offense. The penalty for that is death, and, and one of the brothers offers to take his place. Now Joseph tells them, you know what? You don't recognize me, but I know you. I'm your brother. And the story says he fell on his brothers and he wept. He wept for them. And he tells them to go back and to get their father Jacob and to bring him to Egypt. And when Pharaoh finds out that Joseph's family is there, he says, pick any land, pick the food. You can have anything that you want here in Egypt. You can live here among us like royalty because of Joseph. And so they live now in Egypt and their life is really good. And then one day, uh, and then one day Jacob, the father, passes away. And the brothers are afraid again. They think now 